welcome to the Stetzer Church Leaders Podcast, conversations with today's top ministry leaders to help you lead better every day. And now, podcasting from the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center in Chicagoland, here are your hosts, Ed Stetzer and Daniel Yang. Welcome to the Stetzer Church Leaders Podcast, where we're helping Christian leaders navigate and lead through the cultural issues of our day. My name's Daniel Yang, the director of the Send Institute, and we're excited to have with us today Robert Wagamuth. Robert is a former president of Thomas Nelson Publishers and the founder of Wagamuth & Associates, a literary agency exclusively representing the writing work of more than 100 well-known Christian authors. He's also a speaker and best-selling author who has written over 20 books. His latest book is Gunlap, Staying in the Race with Purpose. But before we hear from Robert, let's go to our host, editor-in-chief of Outreach Magazine and the executive director of Wheaton College Billy Graham Center, Ed Stetzer. Hey, it is good to be here and continue on our conversation. As always, let me mention earlier in the show, if you're enjoying the podcast, take a moment to leave a review wherever you listen or download your podcast. We'd love to get the word out as well. We had some fascinating conversations, and we're continuing that tradition today. So here's a fun fact. Um, we've already introduced Robert Wogamoth, but let me mention that I think my first job where I actually wrote or analyzed anything in life was actually working for uh, for Wogamoth and Hyatt when they used to get like, um, like, like peons like me to read and evaluate a book that they might be publishing. And I think I recommended not to publish one of the books and others. So do what well. I do for you sometimes. Pretty, ouch, okay. ouch, that is fair. <laughs> not to publish, but you do, ouch, yeah. that was, I kind of feel you revealed too much there, but that's okay. So we're excited to have Robert here. Um, Robert, the 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 title of the book needs explanation even to begin, but the title of it is part of the genius of it. So, what's a uh, what inspired you to write the book, and what's a gun lap, and why does it matter? Well, what inspired me to write the book is I'm getting older, <laughs> and uh, and you are too. Yep. And at this stage of my life, in this season of my life, I I really felt prompted to write a book that encourages guys my age. Uh, and we'll talk about that as we get into it. But the gun lap, to, ex- to help you understand what that is, uh, a race, a long distance race around a quarter mile trap track, two miles, that's eight times around. When the race starts, the starter raises his hand and fires the gun. That's the start of the race. When the lead runner starts lap number eight, his last race or lap, his last lap, the fire, the, the starter fires the gun again. And that's the gun lap. It's sometimes it's a bell lap, sometimes it's a gun lap. But I thought gun lap sounded cooler than bell lap, so that's what it is. <laughs> it does. So I'm um, I'm running my last lap. I don't know how long it's going to last, but that's what I'm doing. So how do we like right now? I've got people deciding whether to listen to the podcast or not, and they're doing it based upon if I'm maybe 60, 70 years old. I'm like, okay, I'm going to keep listening. So let's jump before we lose the audience and or the keep the audience that we want to keep. If I'm 25 years old and most of our you know listeners are church leaders, staff, why do I want to have this conversation today? Why do I want to listen into this? Because you know men who are running this last lap. Okay, good. And you need to be prepared to help them deal with this season of their life. Or you know somebody who's married to somebody in the gun lap, or you know somebody whose dad is in the gun lap, and should I keep going? I like it. Hmm. Lots of people. Robert, what are, what are the specific challenges and, and uh, you know, especially the pitfalls that men face in that gun lap phase of life? Uh, you know, because why not just focus on all seasons of life? I mean, why, why are you talking about specifically the gun lap season? Because it's different. It's different than the other seasons. It's different than the other laps. And I don't know how old you are, Daniel, but when you, when you hit, He's I'm going to say than 50, us. <laughs> I get it. I can see it. when you hit 55, 
stuff is going to stop working. Your body is not going to be able to do what it used to do. Uh, I love construction. And I've, in fact, I, I grew up in Wheaton, Illinois and worked for a guy who was a contractor and I was his only full-time employee when I was in college. I went to work for a guy named Dick Whitmer. In fact, the first Baptist church is just, uh, just north, on North Main. And I helped him build that church. But um, what, what, I, what I love to do about construction, in fact, when I moved to Michigan, when I married Nancy Lee DeMoss, first thing I said is, I want to build a deck on the back of our house. She had one, but it was too small. So I built a deck. Now, that was six years ago. And I'm going to tell you, I'm looking straight at you. I could not do that again. Mm. I could not build that deck again. I mean, I'm, I'm lugging two by 12s, 12 foot two by 12s around the backyard. That was only six years ago. I couldn't do that again. So it, it, what happens is stuff stops working and your body begins to act its age. And I was inspired, interesting word to use. I was inspired to write this book because a year ago I had no hair. I was in chemotherapy. I got two different cancers in 2020. So I faced my own death. In fact, I buried my late wife in 2014 after 30 months of death of uh, cancer. And so you become more and more aware as the years go by of your own mortality. Mm -hmm. And it's really easy to get discouraged. Yeah. You know, it's, as I said, stuff stops working. And, and what, and what do you do with that? Where do you go with that? So the big idea is here's a book that's going to encourage guys or people that love them in this season of their lives because they need encouragement. I love that. And by the way, I'm the teaching pastor at what is now called High Point Church Wheaton, which is the first Baptist church building that you helped build. Oh, uh, come so. on. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> and I and Jim, that. Jim, Jim Whitmer, who uh, was Billy Graham's photographer, uh, right. recently went on to be with the Lord and, uh, in 2020 and a good, wonderful brother, uh, that some of those connections you would, you would know, and you yeah. would have, he was precious. He was a very close friend. We, we graduated from high school from Wheaton community high school together in 1965. So he was a lifelong friend and yeah. yes, I'm aware that he's in heaven. Yeah. Yeah. Just when you mentioned Whitmer's, it all came back, but, uh, okay. So, so I, I think this is an important conversation. Um, I'm, I'm older than Daniel, younger than you, but at that place where I'm thinking, okay, how do I invest in the next generation? Um, all those kinds of questions. And a lot of it is too, is, you know, as, 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 you know, as I'm now crossing my mid fifties, I'm also asking, you know, what do I regret? I have some regrets and even people who lived well, I mean, I, I feel that yeah, I've honored the Lord with, with, with what I could and what I knew to, um, but I have some regrets. So how do we walk through the regrets we have, how do we still finish well despite some of the regrets or, or maybe even past failures that we've had? Yeah. Do you remember the name Bruce Larson? I do. Uh, there was a book called No Longer Strangers. That's he, right. he wrote some stuff with Keith Miller. This is a long time ago. And he talked about, and I mentioned this, he talked about the fact that sometimes it's easier to forgive others than it is to forgive yourself. You know, so you wrong me, you say something unkind, and I say, that's ah, all right, and there's grace for you. But sometimes when we fail ourselves, it's hard to issue grace to ourselves. And Bruce in that book says that's pure pride. So it's an mm. interesting thing. Even though my body's breaking down, I feel this sense of, um, I'm going to say it, pride welling up. Because 
actually, this can be a very embarrassing time of life. Um, you know, I forget stuff. I mean, I forget stuff, short-term memory, like you can't believe it. Hmm. Now, I'm 73. And uh, this hit me. How old are you, Ed? I'm 55. This hit me when I was 55. Okay. <laughs> I, just <laughs> okay, did I just did that. I just did that for grins. Yeah. So, but it's, it's true. And, and so what do you do with that? What do you do when you forget somebody's name or forget a place where you were, or you find yourself repeating yourself? You can be really embarrassed by that. And what do men my age often do? They withdraw. Yeah. And I remember my daddy so well. So come from a big family. We're together. We're making noise. We're having a blast. And my dad is sitting by himself over in the corner. Because I, I think coming, you know, alongside getting old is kind of this embarrassment that you're not, you're not up to speed on stuff. And, you know, the subject is whatever, movies, computers, books, whatever. And I'll tell you what, when you're old, you get lost in all of that. Yeah. And so this, this, this is a very sobering time. In fact, I, I placed a call not long ago to a man who was one of my, well, continues to be one of my closest friends in this end, industry, brilliant graduate school, one of the best editors in the business. And he retired hmm. and I called him and I wrote this down. I want you to hear me say this. This is a brilliant man about my age. He wrote, he said, quote, I wake up every morning and wonder why I'm alive. Hmm. My health is feeling I failing. I have no job. No one needs me. I have no reason to live. Close quotes. Now you say that that's a really dramatic thing. I mean, that's a, that, that'd be a rare thing. No, not necessarily because a man gets payoff from what he accomplished, accomplishes what he does. So you have a neighborhood party, guys are standing around. What's the, what's the kind what's the question everybody asks the man standing there? What yeah. do you do? What do you do? What happens when you get my age and you can no longer do what you used to be able to do? Mm. You feel useless. Conversation with my daddy. He must have been 85 years old. And he's, he's sitting on his chair in his study, just sitting there quietly. No book on his lap, no newspaper, just sitting there. And I said, Dad, how do you feel? And he said, I feel useless. Wow. I wrote this for guys that are tempted to feel useless because they aren't useless. Well, uh, the book, by the way, is Gun Lap, Staying in the Race with Purpose. And uh, and I really, I think it's a really helpful conversation for us to have. And if you're a pastor or a church leader, uh, now specifically written to men, we're going to talk about why. It's specifically written to older men, we're going to talk about why. But um, I can tell you, I've seen what Robert is talking about. Actually, I've been sharing an article uh, by Arthur Brooks, and it's uh, the title is "Your Professional Decline Is Coming Much Sooner Than You Think," and it talks some, and it, the subtitle is "How to Make the Most of It," and it talks some, and I got to talk to Arthur Brooks at the American Bible Society gala that they did recently, um, some about this, and I, I think an acknowledgement of the change in who we are and thriving in that is a beautiful thing, and I think that's why Gunlap can be so helpful for so many. So let's talk about church leaders, and I recognize that you know your world is overlaps. Um, you've been engaged in Christian leadership space for a long, long time. Most of our audience are pastors and church leaders. So are there any challenges you think church leaders and pastors face when it comes to 
uh, running their gun laps. And if, if I could add one uh, bit to that, because I can tell you there's not anyone looking for a 65-year-old senior pastor in, a, in a most churches today. So Absolutely tell right. some of the challenges that come with that. Well, go back to what I just finished talking about. You, no, no, your phone isn't ringing. I mean, I used to, it used to drive me crazy. I couldn't go through my day without answering the phone over and over again and answering emails and texts and so forth. Actually, not texts because, you know, 10, 15 years ago, there was no, no such thing. <laughs> and and I, I used to think to myself, why don't these people leave me alone? Well, guess what? <laughs> They're leaving me alone now. Wow. My wow. phone isn't ringing. My inbox is empty and I feel useless. Hmm. So what I'd say to pastors is there are men in your church who are incredibly capable of doing all kinds of wonderful things. In fact, one of the chapters called ROI, Return on Investment, is about me. This is Titus too. Me taking what I've learned, the mistakes I've made, especially the mistakes I've made, and the things that I've done well, and giving younger men an opportunity to learn from me, not in any kind of official way, not an obligation, not saying for the rest of my life at six o'clock every Thursday morning, I'm going to meet with you. Nothing like that. It's just life on life. It's making yourself available. My brother is a great mentor guy. And he has, in fact, if I were to say to Ken right now, all right, name the, the guys that you're mentoring right now. And he would name 10 guys and he's older than I am. So what I would say to pastors is you have, you have men in your church who maybe in their day were very accomplished. Right now, they feel useless. And what I would do is I would lovingly encourage them to put their hand in the air and to volunteer to do stuff. We, before we went on the air, we were talking about Awana. What a great ministry. Young kids, boys and girls, they, they need a grandfather. I mean, a lot, lot of kids don't have a grandfather that loves Jesus. And that loves his word. So adopt yourself as a grandfather to, a, to a, a kid like that at church. Church is the place where all this happens, you guys. You know, it, it, and, and COVID was so devastating. We probably won't know for the rest of our lives how devastating this isolation thing turned out to be. And faces covered. I mean, if you can't read somebody's face, so what's the purpose? So I, I find myself going... I'm smiling, even though I've right. got a, a mask right. on. Right. But th these are really hard times. And older guys are more vulnerable to the virus. Let's call right. it what it is. Most of the deaths in America have been men and women over 65 years old. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm, I'm aware of that. And men in your church are aware of that. And even more aware of that are the wives of the men in your church who are experiencing mm -hmm. that season. Or the children of those, or the grandchildren of those guys, and I've heard, I've heard so many encouraging stories about men who, who, who maybe at the beginning confessed that they they aren't big book readers, but they were able to read this book. Why? Because I made it a conversation. Mm -hmm. I pretended. In fact, this is a little secret. A book is a long letter to one person. Hmm. It's a very intimate medium. If, when you're reading a book and it says, "Now most of you." That guy did not have a good editor because mm -hmm. people don't read the book in groups. Right. You read it. It's a very intimate means of, of communication. So this is a this is a table in the corner of a coffee shop. And I'm talking one on one to a guy who's facing his gun lap. He's scared to death because of his own health. He's feeling useless because technology is zooming past him.
mm-hmm. and he doesn't know what to do with himself. And that's what this book is about. I'm really glad you framed it that way because uh, my, my dad, for instance, he's 82 and he was an elder in his church for 15 years. Um, and now he's kind of faded into the background. And, um, you know, I sometimes watch his interaction with his pastor and he's got a great pastor, a friend of mine as well, but they don't quite yet, they don't know what to do. They don't know how to relate. Um, you know, in, in a sense, I almost feel like, you know, pastor's waiting for dad to pass on so he can do his funeral. But I think there's got to be more than that. Can, can oh. you help pastors think through, like, how do you relate to uh, members who are in that gun lap season? How do you effectively befriend them, minister to them, uh, walk alongside of them? Well, first of all, you start the conversation. Yeah. And you dare you dare to suggest that a bunch of these guys who are gun lappers, in fact, there are gun lap groups all over the place. I don't know if you remember the book Halftime. And that became kind of the part of the, the nomenclature. Well, I'm in halftime. Lots of guys, thousands of them, God bless each one, are talking about now being in their gun lap. Yeah. And that's, I love that. It's code. And everybody knows what it means. I'm in the gun lap. So, I mean, I, I have very close friends, one who lives not too far from where you are right now. And we call each other gun lappers. And, and it makes it kind of fun. It's a very serious season, but it's kind of fun. Okay. You're a gun lapper. So am I. So there are guys in your church who are listening to this right now, who, if you were able to stand up and say, is this a tough season in your life? Is it tougher than you thought it was going to be? You know, you anticipate retirement and Mm -hmm. hanging out and playing shuffleboard, whatever you thought you were going to do in retirement. But now you're this age, your body isn't functioning like it ought to. And I talk about that in the marriage chapter. I do specifically. That's a big deal. And, and this book is meant to encourage them. You can encourage them. One of the reasons, one of the ways to do that is to get with other guys who will say, that is so me. Like, for example, here's a big one. This was one of the primary inspirations of this project. I woke up in the, I was awake in the middle of the night. Now, I don't want to get too technical, but a guy my age cannot make it through the whole night without getting up. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? Not if you do. I, I understand. I don't know if Daniel <laughs> oh, does yeah. yet, but I understand. <laughs> about 10 more years until I understand. Uh, okay. Okay. So you're, you're, you've done what you're going to do, and you go back to bed. You crawl in bed. Your wife, you look over there. Your wife is sound asleep, and you can't go back to sleep. And so your mind is beginning to wander and then race. And here's what I discovered. Here's what I found myself doing. I found myself being very critical of myself. I heard voices. I know that's going to sound like some horror movie. I heard voices, critical voices, saying things to me that that were hurtful. And, and I was hearing them, and it was like I didn't know what to do with this. Hmm. And so in when I talk to guys about that, I say, don't listen to yourself. Speak to yourself. King David was the best. Just read the Psalms and imagine this guy, the shepherd boy, king of Israel, speaking to himself, speaking truth to himself, and and saying, you know, when I was when I was the daddy of small kids, I found myself saying to them over and over again, "This isn't like you. This this doesn't sound like something you would say." And what that's doing is that's speaking truth, that's speaking good things. Now, this is not motivational drivel. There's no salvation in motivation. 
<laughs> it's got to be anchored in something, right? Yeah. But I found myself, the older I got, and the more I found myself lying awake at night trying to go back to sleep, quoting scripture, praying, saying, Lord, here I am. <laughs> I, totally undistracted. I'm staring into the night sky. And, and I need to hear your voice. Or I've got a decision to make. And you make big decisions at this age, like, um, like, should I buy or should I get a life insurance policy to cover my expenses when I can no longer take care of myself? Mm. Uh, about a cemetery plot? Should I get a cemetery plot? Um, in fact, this is crazy, but within the last week, I've asked six men to be my pallbearers. Well, why? Because I'm going to have pallbearers. And why would I? Why would I burden other people with a decision like that? Now, this book is not about dying. It's about living. But things that you need to do during these final laps of your life that, that you'd rather have them done yourself than have somebody else do it for you. So I talk about ROI. That's investing in, in younger people. I talk about marriage. Don't miss the opportunity to love your wife well. Yeah. The, the chances are really good that you're going to die before she is. Mm -hmm. So what you're doing is you're loving your caregiver before it's time for her to be your caregiver. Wow. Oh. In fact, I interviewed a bunch of men my age in writing this book. And I was talking to one guy because he had been fired from a board of directors because he was old. That was the only reason. He was, he was doing a great job. And the CEO of the company discovered how old he was. And he got, he got a pink slip. So I wanted to interview him about that. And I did. And it's in the book. And then he said, are you going to talk about marriage? And I said, well, no, I really wasn't. He said, oh, man, don't forget to talk about marriage and encourage these guys to find new ways of loving their wife. Mm -hmm. So now I have an advantage. I've been married for six years. So I'm sort of kind of a newlywed. Yeah. But. Guess what I do on the 14th of every month? I celebrate an anniversary. Hmm. And there, there's actually a word for it. Lunaversary. Look it up. Lunaversary. Okay. <laughs> it is. And Hallmark loves me. I mean, I, I should have bought stock. <laughs> but the 14th of every month, we celebrate an anniversary. Why wouldn't I do that? Yeah. So my, my wife will tell you, and, and most of the time, a woman is a responder. So if you, as a man, my age, initiate loving things, your wife will love it. And even if you've been married for a long time, she's going to say, somebody has replaced my husband with a really cool guy. Um, and find new ways of loving your sweet wife. Just think, think of the sacrifices that she's made for you. The least you can do is love her well during this season. And I would encourage guys along those lines. Yeah, the book is Gunlap, Staying in the Race with Purpose. We're talking to Robert Wogamuth. Uh, Robert, I, I think, I, and I want to, you know, I'm, I'm approaching this question carefully. Uh, we know each other, but Daniel didn't necessarily know, know you, or I guess probably didn't know of you, which is part of what my question is. Because if you were 15 years old, younger, or older, excuse me, you would have known. I mean, when they got married, when Robert and Nancy got married, it was the royal wedding of evangelicalism. <laughs> you can Google that phrase. Um, but what happens is, is that we do, and I, I'm struck by this, you know, we're, we're recording in Billy Graham Hall, and I'm struck by how many of our 18-year-olds have no concept of who Billy Graham is. Right. And yet, you know, my 
you know, my, my business card has Billy Graham's name on it. And I would assume everyone knows who Billy Graham is. Everyone I know knows who Billy Graham is. But there comes a time when people don't know. And like I said, your, your phone isn't ringing, your email inbox isn't full. Help me to process that with uh, people who are maybe, because I'm hoping that people are sharing this podcast with their older male friends and more. What is that? Does that what does that feel like when that begins to slip away the knowledge of you and the huge influence you've you still have, but you had where you were on every you were on everyone's Rolodex? Tell me about that. It's scary. Yeah, and you know it's it's um, um, but you know it's good. I mean, if you didn't need grace, it wouldn't mean anything to you. <laughs> so the older I get the more I desperately need God's grace. So, um, and it's actually a reminder that I was, I was putting too much trust in those things. You know, the old Testament would have called that an idol and, and idols are stupid. When you think about literally people with some level of intelligence created something with their own hands and worshiped it. And you say, I would never be guilty of that. Oh yeah. Let's talk about that. So I think sometimes your own ego, your own accomplishments um, becomes an idol. And, and the Lord is really jealous about idols. Mm. You look it up. I mean, he, he, you just think about Jesus in the temple. He was knocking over idols. <laughs> and Jesus only got really angry twice. Once there and the other time with the foolish servant who hid his talent. And Jesus was furious. So those two things tick off the Savior. So it's an idol. And, and it's easy to make yourself an idol. I mean, this is such an ego-driven culture that we are yes. in. Um, okay, so I post on social media and I wait to see if anybody's going to like me. How foolish is that? Mm. How sophomoric is that? Yeah. My, my identity comes based entirely on who jesus says i am that's good that's so good and you know you've heard the old thing if i'd been the only person alive jesus still would have gone across from me that's a very sobering thought Hmm. that that's not meant to build my ego that's 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 meant to to be a sobering reminder of how desperately god loves me and how um how i need to infuse my own life with his grace and humility you know I don't know why, but just in the last few weeks, Nancy, my wife, and I have been stunned by the power of humility and how annoying people who don't understand that are. Um, and, and, and guess what? Humility is a gift. When you realize by grace I've been saved through faith, it's not of myself. It's a gift. It's a total gift. And there's nothing more humbling than receiving a gift I wasn't expecting and no, I didn't deserve. Mm-hmm. That's really good stuff. Yeah, I, I'd love for you to speak to pastors who, who sense that they're nearing that season, that potentially might be entering into the gun lap season. Because as a matter of fact, I had a conversation with the local church pastor here, and he, he actually came in three years ago to, for a succession plan. And the uh, previous pastor who founded the church was entering into an emeritus role, but he extended the the role. So the the succession plan is like doubled now. Ouch. And a part of that is, I think he was hesitant to enter into that emeritus role. Can you speak to the pastors who are 
at that season where they're getting ready to enter into it? Like, what do you tell yourself? How do you help, yeah. um, uh, you know, leave well, uh, especially when you've led in a place perhaps even 20, 30 years? Here's what I would say, Daniel. Intentionally give people in your life permission to speak truth to you. Intentionally give people permission to speak truth to you. Because when you start losing it, whatever it is, you'll be the last to know. Hmm. Hmm. So you have, you have, you're going to give people who are in your life permission to speak truth and to say, you know, pastor, this is really hard for me to say, cause I love you. I revere you. I respect you. I honor you, but you're, you're not preaching like you used to. You're not able to recall scripture like you used to. You're, you, you forgot my name the last time we talked. You forgot my wife's name the last time we talked. I love you. I could not love you more. But it's time that you begin to think clearly about what the future needs to hold. My, Ed, you might remember this. I'm picturing Y.A. Tittle, who was a quarterback for the New York Giants. He's kneeling in the end zone with blood rolling down the side of his face. He's just been sacked for a safety. He waited too long to admit that it was time to hang him up. And, and don't, I would say to pastors, don't, don't give other people the role in your life that you should take yourself. And that is to say, you know what? This will be a great time for me to begin to back off. I mean, there is, there's a calling to pastoring there's also a huge potential for ego. Mm. And I mean, it's not about you. And I know you know that as a pastor, you, you know that intellectually, you know that. But after you've preached a sermon, if nobody says anything about your sermon, how do you feel about that? Mm -hmm. uh, what was the purpose of your, of your preaching? <laughs> was, it, was it so that people drop you a text or say in the narthex of the church, oh, pastor, that was fantastic. Or does the Holy Spirit give you all you need in terms of payoff? But at some point, that that flattery, that affirmation is going to begin to dwindle. Don't, don't wait for them to surprise you with the news. Give them full permission, full access to you to be able to speak truth to you. I would, I, I would beg pastors who are hearing this right now to give their people, especially their leadership, permission to speak truth to him. Yeah, you know, actually, Eric, Eric Geiger and I have a deal that we will call each other up and say, someone's not telling you the truth. If someone hasn't told you the truth. <laughs> yeah, on, 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 on the other hand, I sort of wonder, and again, I, I, I don't see this as a personal thing because, you know, I, I happen to be the dean of a school and I hold a chair. And I think in academia, there's not this sense that when you turn 60 or 65 that you're, I don't know, there's, there's, it's a different vibe in academia. It's a different vibe, but we, you went to Taylor, you probably know, you remember older professors, sure. but in pastoral ministry, and I would say particularly like worship leadership, music ministry, I mean, I, I want to, I'm, I'm agreeing with everything you said. And again, we can, people can get more at gun lap. It's staying in the race with purpose. And, and simultaneously, I'm sort of want to say, how do we not push out the wisdom and leadership that we have? Because nobody's looking for a 62 or 63 year old senior pastor. I shouldn't say no one. That's too strong. I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I'm, but but there's such great value and wisdom that's there. And I think at the same time, that 75 year old pastor who's still there, 
that no one can speak to. I think both of those issues are real. So come back with me the other one. How do we value the leadership of people who are older, who are seniors in those leadership roles? And, and that's, I should say, that's not the main purpose of Gunlap, but you do, you do touch on it. So talk to us about that a little bit. Yeah. And this, I'm, I'm going to just state something that's incredibly obvious. You ask for it. Okay. You ask for it. If you're the older person, uh, invite a younger person to lunch or breakfast or to a conversation. Uh, because they, they don't know it, but they need you. Okay. They really need you. One, one of the things that you've got is you've got more mileage on your tires than they do. They need you, but they may be too young and immature to really know how badly they need you. So initiate, initiate. I mean, I, the, the, the thing you love about a great quarterback is he throws the pass where the guy isn't yet. So, so anticipate the need that younger people, younger men in your congregation, or just men that you know, uh, need, need your wisdom. Now, you're not going to meet with them in order to, to divulge your wisdom. You're not going to say that. But as, as you talk, you're going to discover. In fact, my favorite thing to talk about with an older man is that God gave you your resume. There isn't a single failure that you experienced in your life that was wasted. And those successes, even though they were all that you lived for, they don't mean as much this far away from them. But, but our resume is not meant for us. Our resume is meant to feed younger men, to be able to say to them, you know what, that happened to me one time, or I tried that one time, and let me tell you something funny that happened as a result. Or, okay, so I've been, I've been married for a total of 52 years, just not to the same lady because I lost my wife after 45 years. But there are some things about marriage that I can help guys with. You know, I, I can, and I do. And, and you know, I, one of the things that when you're my age, and Ed, you're getting there, is that, that <laughs> you have less reservations. older than me. You are 20 years older than me, just Shut so up. we're clear. You're making me feel awful. But go ahead. <laughs> I find myself being less guarded about speaking truth. Okay. In fact, I'll tell you what, I feel less guarded about witnessing. Yeah. There's a great word. Okay. So I have nothing to lose. Yeah. And you know, I've known all my life that I need to tell people about Jesus and I've done my best, but you know what? I don't have that many more days. I don't have that many more opportunities to tell people yeah. about Christ. I feel sorry when the Uber driver pulls up because he's going to get it. Now <laughs> he's going to get it from a guy who's <laughs> has never met him before and is not going to see him again, but loves him in Christ. That's so awesome. this isn't a scalp. Oh, please hear me. This is not a scalp. This is a chance to love a lost person, to ask him or her about themselves, about their family, about their education, about where they grew up, and then say, I, I love Jesus Christ. He is my savior. Mm. I wouldn't be who I am without this guy mm. and about his death and resurrection. Is there anything that I could pray for you about? And I've, I've done that more times than I could possibly tell you. And mm -hmm. never once has anybody said, look, don't bother to pray for me. Yeah. Yeah. Never, never. So, and, and you know, what's interesting. This, I love this Romans chapter one, the apostle Paul is talking about this and he says, I'm not ashamed. So he wouldn't have said, I'm not ashamed if he hadn't ever felt ashamed or wistful about leading something, somebody to Christ or telling them about the savior. Right. So, I love that because even, even the, 
the iconic, the Apostle Paul, understood what it meant to, to, to be saying to yourself, ah, I, I, I don't need to witness to this guy. He, he probably, he's, he's probably good to go. Don't do that. And it's so easy. It is so easy to tell people about Jesus. And the truth is there are a lot of people hurting. And they're going to be able to tell just, just by your countenance, just by the sound of your voice, the tone of your voice in the backseat of the Uber car, or the guy that's working on your sprinkler system, or, or whatever. The guy at, at the 7-Eleven who, who looks like he could, he could care less, he needs somebody to love him. You know, Jesus didn't say, here's how people will know that you love me because you've got the right answers, mm -hmm. because you've got a seminary degree. Who cares? How well do you love them? And, and the gospel is something that must be shared. It's, you know, love is a verb. Uh, so anyway, that sounds kind of simplistic, but too often we miss that. I don't care how many degrees you and I have, mm -hmm. how much time we've spent in graduate school, how many books we've written. I'm going to tell you with all due respect, nobody cares. Yep. <laughs> what they care about is, do you see them? Do you notice them? Uh, can you ask them questions about themselves? And would you, would you dare to take an opportunity to pray with them? My wife, Nancy, calls this aisle ministry, A-I-S-L-E ministry. And I confess, sometimes I'm, I'm ready to go home after church. But she won't, she won't leave if there's anybody who would like to talk to her, ask her a question. That's awesome. And that's big stuff. That's more important than anything as a pastor of a church, there isn't anything more important that I could do than give people unscripted time and love them well. Amen. Amen. That's a good word. You've been listening to Robert Walgamuth. Uh, we want to encourage you to get his latest book, Gun Lap, Staying in the Race with Purpose. You can learn more about Robert at Robert Walgamuth. You should. You should learn you more should. about Robert because Absolutely. he's been a blessing to many of us. And by the way, <laughs> Y.A. Tittle, was, uh, he retired two years before I was born, just to make sure that that four sports reference, two years <laughs> so before I was born. So you I don't go. remember so you don't that. Remember you don't no, remember I think you're, you, you've got me in your head like like 27 years older than I am, but I'm okay. I've received that. I'm okay getting older. <laughs> I do that. Yeah, That's right. But thanks, Robert, for joining us. And thanks again to your listeners for listening to the Stetzer Church Leaders podcast today. You can find more interviews and other great content from ministry leaders at churchleaders.com. And we found our conversation helpful today. We'd love for you to go over to iTunes and leave us a review. That'll help other ministry leaders find us and benefit from our content. You can find this podcast as well as other great Christian podcasts on Faith Play app, available for both Apple and Android. We'll see you on the next episode. You've been listening to the Stetzer Church Leaders Podcast. For more great interviews, as well as articles, videos, and free resources, visit our website at churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening.